Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Dave, three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Rocktail Hour is now an affiliate of Amazon.com, the online megastore that offers Earth's biggest selection. If you're going to buy stuff at Amazon anyway, it would be cool if you would first click on the Amazon.com link on the Rocktail Hour homepage or affiliates page, and Amazon will kick a few bucks back to Rocktail Hour to help fund the free podcast. Today, Treg is going to bring us the story behind Meatloaf's Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Thanks, Dave. Uh, this one belongs in the genre of guilty pleasures. I have never thought that this song was one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. It's a great song. I love it. But I'm, I'm not going to represent this as being one of the greatest ever. But because I love Meatloaf and I love the album, that's why I decided to do it. And thanks also to listener Paul, who also suggested that we do a rock tale hour about Bat Out of Hell. So Two Out of Three Ain't Bad is off of Meatloaf's 1977 album, Bat Out of Hell. Uh, The song was written by Jim Steinman and performed by Meatloaf, also known as Marvin Lee Aday. Now this song reached number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100, and it earned a million-selling gold single from RIAA. Now, as I mentioned, this is one of my guilty pleasures. I would describe his music as kind of gimmicky, with pervasive themes about teen angst. Uh, but the dude's got pipes. You know, his vocals are incredible, I think. Yeah, and this song also holds a special meaning for me, which I'll mention at the end of the of the podcast. One thing that's interesting as I was researching Jim Steinman and, and Meatloaf is that both of them have a musical theater background. Um, Meatloaf performed in uh, in big Broadway musicals, and Jim Steinman wrote them. And I think that's what gives uh, Meatloaf's album some of that theatrical character to it and that operetta type feel to it is because of their experience in the theater well first i want to talk about the album uh, bat out of hell is well, the... sorry you know meatloaf was in the rocky horror picture show right oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay all right <laughs> key part how can you talk about meatloaf without talking about rocky horror picture <laughs> yeah. show i i don't really want to admit that i know that so move along <laughs> Forget that you knew that. It does, it didn't have anything to do with the song or the album, and so I didn't really wasn't planning to. Well, talk about you it. just brought up that whole you know performance and in, in musical theater background, which was really, in an odd way, what Rocky Horror Picture Show was. So right, that right. actually brings up a question for me about Meatloaf. I don't know if either of you know this. Was he more of a performer, or was he also a songwriter? He was more of a performer, I think. So he sung other people's songs and put his voice behind it, and yeah. This this whole album, I think, was written by Jim Steinman. Oh, okay. And and other albums, too, they collaborated on. But he primarily was the vocalist for it, I think. Interesting. Bat Out of Hell is Meatloaf's second album, and it was also his first major label album. Uh, it was also his first collaboration with Jim Steinman. It's one of the best-selling albums in history, it having sold an estimated 43 million copies worldwide, which puts it right up there with... Uh, thriller, Dark Side of the Moon, Back in Black. I think it's it's in the top five of album sales of all time. And Whitney Houston at number four. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling Stone magazine ranked the album as number 343 on its list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Uh, this is interesting that the album developed from a musical called Neverland. This was something that Steinman wrote. It was a sci-fi update to Peter Pan. 
And he wrote it for a workshop in 1974, and they performed it at the Kennedy Center Music Theater Lab in 1977. Steinman and Meatloaf felt that three of the songs in this musical that he had written, Neverland, were exceptional, and they thought that it would make a good concept album, good rock and roll album. So the three songs that they that they started with as, as the anchor for the album were Bat Out of Hell, Heaven Can Wait, and The Formation of the Pack, which was retitled All Revved Up with No Place to Go. So with those three songs as a foundation, uh, they created the rest of the album. Stephen Earlwine commented about the album, It may elevate adolescent passion to operatic dimensions, and that's certainly silly, but it's hard not to marvel at the skill behind this grandly silly irresistible album. I thought that pretty sums up, you know, the album. Silly. Grandly silly. So side two of the album opens with Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. And this song was written near the end of the album's production. In a uh, 2003 interview with VH1, Steinman talked about the genesis of the song. He was talking with a woman who was a cast member in his current musical at the time, and he was complaining about how nobody really likes his songs. And and, And this girl said, well, it's because they're too complicated. Why can't you write something simple? And so as they were having this conversation, a, uh, an Elvis song came on the oldies station that they were listening to. And that song is, I want you, I need you, I love you. And she said, why can't you write something like that? And so he mulled around the lyrics in his head for, for a couple of days, and all he could come up with was, I want you, I need you, but there ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. And uh, he said that at least it was simple, and it was something that he thought that Elvis could have done because of the simplicity of it. So let's talk about a little bit about the meaning of it. It's, it's, it's not rocket science. Uh, it documents an acrimonious relationship between a couple and their apparent breakup. And it's highlighted by the chorus, I want you, I need you, but there ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. Now don't be sad, because two out of three ain't bad. And this uh, last line of the chorus, it gives the song a sarcastic twist that's kind of characteristic of Meatloaf. And it gives, it, it in all, all my life, thinking about this song, I've had this image of this womanizer that, I want you, but I don't love you, you know, that kind of a thing. But actually, if you probe a little bit deeper into the song, it, there is a little bit of a deeper meaning to it. Because the reason that the man says that he will never love this woman that he's singing to is because he already loves another woman who broke up with him in the past. And when this previous woman broke up with him, she said to him, I want you, I need you, but there ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. And so he was saying the same thing to the woman that he was currently in a relationship with or breaking up with. So it sounds like that this man is doing what many of us do, and that is holding on to love after a relationship ends. makes me think about whether any of us really ever get over our first true love. You know, and does it interfere for the rest of our lives with being able to enter into another relationship with another woman? That's not a problem for me because my first true love I married. So, uh, Tim and I saw a movie today that actually typifies the theme of this song, yeah, sort of. Yeah, it's called Mud, mm-hmm. and it's it's a fantastic movie. But in it, the main character is deeply in love with this woman that keeps dumping on him, but he can't move on to another relationship because he's always been in love with this girl since he was, what, 10 or 11 yeah. years old or Middle something. Middle-aged man. Yeah, and it really interfered. But um, Matthew McConaughey gives a brilliant performance, and, and, and Reese Witherspoon, yeah. too. And there's a kid in this movie that's just incredible. He's going to be a star. Holy cow. 
He was great. An independent film and had some really big names in it. Yeah. It's cool. Sam Shepard and Shepherd Joe Don Baker. Buford Pusser. You're too young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good movie. Yeah. So, um, oh, go ahead. As a kid, I kind of I kind of admired Meatloaf, you know, because he was, you know, as a fat kid, how could you not admire Meatloaf? I mean, he was this huge <laughs> star, you know, selling millions of albums. And I mean, he's like the ugliest guy of all time, you know. In his prime, he was one of the ugliest people ever. But, you know, he really had charisma. You know, as a star, he really had charisma. And um, I just remember seeing the movie Roadie, you know, and that might that might have been as late as 1980, but I think it was somewhere between 1978 and 1980. And he he played this guy that, that kind of got caught up with this band as their roadie because he could fix anything. And he just kind of fell into this job one night when he was at a concert. And the movie was forgettable, you know. It had some, it had some great music. It uh, the the main song from the movie was "Cheap Tricks." Everything will work out if you let it. And, and um, that's a great song, you know. There's some really good music because it was about rock and roll, anyway. But um, you know, Meatloaf really had a, a lot of charisma, and, and you know, were it not for him, that movie would have been a total failure. But he was he was really quite watchable in the movie, really funny. But yeah, I always kind of admired Meatloaf. I mean, we've talked about this before in the past, but can you imagine Meatloaf going on American Idol? You know? <laughs> well, that was my that was my question to you guys. Could Meatloaf, if he were a kind of a fifteen to twenty year old guy coming up with the same pipes, with the same look, with the same charisma, could he make it in American music today? I think he could make it in, on American Idol to the top ten. Do you really? And not beyond that, yeah. Have you have you ever watched it? They they have some pretty unattractive people that have that have succeeded, in but American but not Idol. ever really one that I can recall. Or has anybody that's not attractive, not because a lot of people that don't win American Idol have gone on to great careers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Daughtry being one of them. Yeah, right, right. right. Well, that's so, why I said top ten. I don't know whether he could win. Has anyone from American Idol rung the bell, so to speak, with music that's not? Kind of a half supermodel, half singer. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. I stopped I don't paying know, attention though, a couple know, years Clay ago. Clay Aiken is pretty dorky, but then he wasn't very been. I don't know that he's been very successful at all. I don't follow that kind of music, so I don't. Even, you know, I don't yeah. think he's been very successful. But my point is, the '70s was a great era. I mean, great music, but you know, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant on American Idol. You know, I mean, even the greats, Pink Floyd, all of them. You know, would it's any a different of world. Them, you know, be successful, but you know, I can't think of any really great looking, you know, well, Roger Waters wouldn't make it. No. The only exception is that David Gilmore was a male model before he was uh, the guitar player yeah, for Pink I Floyd. I think actually. Mick Jagger was too, actually. Yeah. Mick Jagger? You're <laughs> so kidding me. I'm not kidding. Oh, but Ringo man. Starr, you know, would Ringo Starr be popular? Look at the world of country music. I know this is a rock tale hour and I'm not into country anyway, but Think about Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, um, Waylon Jennings. I mean, none of these guys physically were anything to look at, but they were phenomenal talents. Oh, yeah. And if those guys came onto the country music scene today, they'd be songwriters, and that's it, in my opinion. Because hmm. if you look at who makes it in, in, in the pop world, in the country world, and a little bit in the rock world today, it's all the beautiful people. Yeah. Yep. And I hate beautiful people. Well, I am one, so I, oh, I don't know what you're like talking you. about. Yeah, it's, it's difficult for Treg in this scenario. <laughs> one of the reasons that I uh, wanted to choose this song is that it, it kind of holds special meaning for me. Uh, the very first time that I ever slow danced with a girl was to this song. 
So this is back in junior high in, what, 1977, 78, and uh, I remember it distinctly. You know, some of those memories are just cemented in your head, or at least the images in my head. I don't know whether it, it was reality or not, but what I remember of it, you know. Slow dancing under the, the disco ball with Wendy 2, 2 out of 3 ain't bad. Uh, you know, I was sweating because I'd never been that close to a girl, and I'm starting to smell the... You know, the, the old man's old spice, and I'm cautious about putting my arms around her and a little bit sweaty. But, boy, you know, just the, the, the rush that you get from that first moment, you know, of slow dancing with a girl. And I associate it with this song, and that's why it holds a special place. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's also interesting that you got sweaty and stinky dancing to a meatloaf song. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. How appropriate. <laughs> what, a, what an odd time in music as well, because I do remember you know, from the 70s in junior high going to those those dances. And there'd be things like Meatloaf and Sticks, and, and some of those harder rock bands. And then you'd, you'd dance to like disco, Casey and the Sunshine Band, and and uh, Sister Sledge, and Strange Time. An odd time in music. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks, Treg, for fulfilling the longstanding Rocktail Hour need to honor an <laughs> artist named After Food. Uh, you can listen to a clip of Meatloaf's Two Out of Three Ain't Bad on iTunes by clicking on the album link on the Rocktail Hour website. Please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rocktail of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for a future Rocktail Hour. If you think we're just lame and it's Treg, then also put that on your Facebook. <laughs> Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter and rate us on iTunes. Until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Rock on.